Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Welcome back to another episode filled with creepy creatures and ghoulish ghosts. I have several great stories to share with you this evening, but before we get started, I wanted to thank a couple donators that arrived late to the party. After last week's episode, I received a few generous donations from the following folks. Neil A., Sarah G., and Veronica M. Thank you all. Your generosity is very much appreciated and will go a long way to ensure that the show continues for a long time to come. If you'd like to join these fine people in donating, simply head over to the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the donate button. Any amount is a huge help and every dollar helps. Alright, enough begging. Let's hear some spooky encounters. History is a funny thing. Have you ever found yourself in a location with history and actually imagined what it was like 50, 100, even 200 years ago? Countless times I've done just that. I'll be sitting on a street-side patio, enjoying lunch, when the thought hits me. What history does this very spot hold? Were there events held here? Wars? Parades? Maybe even hangings? The truth is, history is an ever-changing force. And just like the erosion of wind and water, time has a way of smoothing out rough areas. This happens to be the situation with our first caller of the evening. What was once a hostile stretch of city is now a movie theater. This is Josh's call. Hi, Derek. My name's Josh, and I'm calling you from uh, Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, My story takes place at this place called The Waterfront. It's in Homestead, Pennsylvania. And just to give you a little background on what The Waterfront is, right now it's it's, uh, it's like an outdoor shopping area. I don't want to call it a shopping mall because everything's spread out, but there's a movie theater, restaurants, stores. Anything you could want, you can basically get down there. Um... However, in 1892, it was the site of the Homestead Steelworks, which was owned by Andrew Carnegie. And 
uh, in that year, there was a big dispute between Andrew Carnegie and the steelworkers. The steelworkers wanted to unionize. Carnegie wanted to fight it. And there was a big labor dispute, which was happened to be one of the most violent in um, U.S. history. Uh, I believe they say about 10, 10 to 12 people lost their lives and multiple more were injured. I could be wrong about the exact numbers, but um, nonetheless, it was, it was a violent, bloody scene down there. So I used to work at the movie theater at the waterfront. Uh, I, w- I worked in projection for about four years. I worked there for about eight. Uh, it was a good job to have when I was in college. They worked with my schedule, and um, I enjoyed my time there. Um, when I was in projection, we had um, 22 screens in this in the theater. Uh, we There were 11 on each side of the building, which were referenced um, high side and low side. Low side had screens 1 through 11, and high side had screens 12 through 22. Now, when you walked into either side of the projection booth, um, the first thing you would notice were two sets of staircases on either side of the room, which would lead to projectors 2 and 10 or 13 and 21, depending on which side you were on. And then there were, you would see a desk followed by a long hallway where all the other projectors were. Uh, usually I worked on low side because my boss liked high side. There was no camera for where our GM could see us. He could do what he pleased and and all that, but that's whatever. Um, one night I was working alone. I was closing and I was waiting for all the projectors to, to finish up all the movies to end so I could shut the projectors off and go home. So it was about one o'clock in the morning. All of the projectors were over except for number 13. Uh, now, like I said, you would walk into booth and you would see um, two sets of staircases, one leading to 13, one to 21. So I had all of my, my personal belongings with me over there. You know, I had a bag where I'd carry my homework and other books in. So I was waiting on 13 to end the one night, and I decided I was going to sit on the steps and read my book. I was reading Game of Thrones. Not that that matters, but... <laughs> um, so I was sitting there reading, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was being watched. You know that feeling of dread when someone's being you're being watched but you can't tell where you're being watched from that's how I felt and then I had the feeling that I was being watched from 21 as if someone was leaning on the railing and watching me so I looked up and there was nothing there so I thought you know what Josh you're scaring yourself just go back to your book started reading my book and a few minutes later I got the same feeling and I looked up still nothing um So I went back to reading, and this time, uh, I heard something whisper, Josh. At this point, I jumped up and ran out of the projection booth. I was so scared, I've never been that scared in my life. There was nothing there, um, nothing, nothing that could have been watching me whispering, nothing. The radio that I had on had been silent for hours. And even if it were something on the radio, I would have heard it click on first. So it wasn't my radio. Um, I know what people will say. They'll say, oh, the EMF given off by all the electronics in that area was just messing with you. You scared yourself. I, I, I don't buy that for a second because I'd worked there for, I was probably in Booth probably about two years at this point. And, you know, working late nights on low side, 
nothing ever happened, you know, I never felt this sense of dread, nothing. I could sit there and do homework, read a book, anything, and nothing would ever bother me. But anytime I would walk into Highside, after this, this event, I just felt this sense of fear wash over me. Uh, now, this movie theater was about 20 minutes from where all my friends and I lived, so they would, they would come down frequently. And one night they were, they would, I brought them into booth after their movie was over and we're walking, they walked in and they almost stopped dead. They said, you know, we can feel it. There's something here with you. And after they told me that I, I told them my story about being watched and my name being whispered and they were just totally creeped out, but they still wanted to walk up and down the hallway. So I took them down the hallway to where projector 15 sits. It's at the very end of the hall. And usually there's no real temperature fluctuations. At this point, we still had 35 millimeter film. So the humidity needs to be monitored closely so the film doesn't stick. Because if the film sticks, it causes problems. Um, but it was very cold by number 15. And they just, you know, they, they could feel whatever was always there watching me, they could feel it at this point. Uh, they were very spiritual people. Um, they would go to church every Sunday, you know. And they they said a little, you know, whatever's here, please don't harm our friend. He means you no harm. He's just doing his job. Um, I'd love to say from that point on, nothing ever happened. But uh, another night, I was sitting there at the desk... And it was probably about 7.30 in the evening. So there's a lot of people there. There's a restaurant where the employees will come in and out of the booth. Nobody came in. You could hear the doors open when they would open, when someone would come through. Uh, nobody came in. And I got up to, to turn around and start a projector. And the second I stood up, I heard this loud bang as if something had either slammed or kicked the desk I was sitting at. I turned around and there was nobody there. Um, so I got on the radio, I called my boss and said, hey, were you just over here? He said, no, I've been on low side. Uh, I haven't gone anywhere. I don't know what it was that kicked or slammed something on that desk, but it, that creeped me out for the rest of the night to the point where I had to have my boss switch sides with me. Um, I never felt comfortable on high side after that. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know if it was the spirit of a steel worker letting me know it was there or or what but there was something in that building and uh, I'm glad I don't have to work in there anymore but uh, yeah that's that's my story um, keep up the good work on the podcast thank you Thank you, Josh, and thank you for taking the time to research the history of your area. If you're interested, there's a link to the homestead strike Josh alluded to in his call in the show notes for today's episode. Josh's encounter is textbook ghostly activity. Loud bangs, feelings of being watched, disembodied voices, and strange temperature fluctuations. Any one of those strange happenings would be enough to rattle even the bravest of souls, let alone all in the same location. The voice in his ear made me think of something strange that happened in my grandmother's house years ago when she was still with us. 
Her and my grandfather went to Hawaii for two weeks and asked that I stay at their house while they were gone to keep an eye on things. Having raised eight kids, the house was very large and had many guest rooms. So I picked one and went to sleep on that very first night. Midway through the night, I heard a voice quite close to me whisper my name. My blood ran cold. Was it a dream or was it real? Was there someone or something in the house? Needless to say, I spent the remainder of my stay sleeping on the couch in the living room. Here's where it really gets creepy. I never told anyone about my experience. My grandma always joked about a ghost that lived in her house. She even had a name for him, Charlie. But despite this, I felt the need to keep my experience to myself. That is, until about two years later when my little brother did the same thing I did. He house sat for a few days while they were out of town and he had the exact same experience. He too retreated to the living room couch for the remainder of his watch. So, point being, I completely understand why Josh reacted the way he did. It's very unsettling to hear a voice with no clear origin. But it's an entirely different situation when that mysterious voice utters your name. Thank you again, Josh, for sharing your encounter. Our next call isn't a story, per se. Unfortunately, due to a bad cell phone connection, I was only able to record a portion of this call, but I will play what came through. from Florida. I was just listening to the most recent episode and about the girl that um, saw that giant bird going driving in Nevada and um, lost time and ended up somewhere she wasn't supposed to be. Um, and I have to say that's probably about the fifth time I've heard a story like that from that area of the country, from uh, Nevada, uh, Arizona, out in the west where there's those long deserted roads um and i can i from random sources i i wish i could but i can't pinpoint it um other podcasts um and uh websites that deal with paranormal that i follow and but i've heard of several different people that have had and a whole carloads of people having the same experience of missing time cryptid creatures and there's always more. It's not just they saw a cryptic creature or they just had missing time or they just ended up somewhere they weren't supposed to be. It's usually a, at least two of these things are wrapped up together. I remember one um, where some people had traveled. They had been driving for two hours or something, and when they got out of the car, they were to stop to go to the bathroom, whatever. They thought they were eight hours down the road, and they had only been in the car for two hours. They could not figure out how how that happened. Um, and again, with the cryptids and people just losing time. Um, also lights, people seeing the lights. But it's always on the desert road. It goes for miles and miles and miles, nothing around. I personally have never been out that far west. But I just wanted to let the girl that um, that gave her story know that she's not alone that that's probably at least the fifth one that i've heard and again i wish i could pinpoint some sources but it's like um i know i've heard some on other podcasts and um online but i I don't remember exactly where but i have heard that story before that that apparently happens i don't want to say a lot but it happens thank you caller for sharing your opinion I really wish you were able to name a few of your sources. I'd like to check them out. 
My search only turned up one or possibly two of the strange happenings, never all three together. But at the very least, perhaps knowing that she's not alone may leave last week's caller, Carrie, feeling at least a little better. Thank you again for your input. I've been sitting on our next submission for quite a while now. It's short, but it's sweet. Late one night, about two years ago, my oldest daughter, who had turned two at the time, woke up and walked into our bedroom and climbed into my bed. As she settled into her pillow, she pointed to the corner of her bedroom and said, Mama, who was that man? Who was that big, scary man? I said, What man? As I looked into the dark, empty corner of my bedroom. My daughter then sat up and pointed to the same corner. That man. A scary, big man. Feeling creeped out, but still trying to soothe her and get her to sleep, I just said, There's nobody there, darling. It might just be a shadow. At that, she settled and drifted back to sleep. I'm pretty sure I had a hard time going back to sleep that night myself. A few days later, we were in the kitchen. I was making lunch, and my daughter was at my feet playing with her toys. I saw her look up, and she calmly said, The man is here, Mama. I replied to her, but more to what I believe was a spirit. We have to tell the man he's not allowed to be here. He must find the light and leave our home. We were both quite quiet for a few seconds, then my little girl said to me, Man is happy. He's in the sky like a kite. So I don't know. Is this a case of active imagination? Or was there a spirit only my young daughter could see? All I know is she had never said anything like this before and hasn't said anything like this since. Thank you. Creepy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. There's just something about children seeing things that we can't that is beyond unsettling. Perhaps it's their innocence or the fact that they are so adamant and genuine about the experience. Either way, I find it terrifying. Thank you again for sharing. Next up is another story about the hairy man of the woods. This is Chris's submission. Hi, my name is Chris. I've got a story to share with you. This was relayed to me by a coworker uh, about a possible Sasquatch encounter that he had. He was working as a camp counselor uh, somewhere in, I, I believe, Idaho along the Snake River. And uh, being a counselor, uh, they stay at the camp most of the time, but uh, when they had a break between kids, uh, groups coming and going, they would all pile into the truck, drive the length of the Salmon River to the closest town and go out for drinks or whatnot. What he told me was that uh, when they were returning back to camp, and it was very late at night, and they were driving fairly carefully because it was a winding road um, with the river to one side of them and this being fairly deep forest, um, they turned a corner and what he said was sitting on the side of the road was a large, hairy being. He said that what was interesting was that it had, it had long, reddish hair and it's, it was sitting in sort of a squat position 
with its hands up against its face. The impression that he got was that almost as if you saw someone who was in grief. Um, they were just, it was just kind of balled up, knees up, and hands, and he said he saw a definite hand covering its face with its head down. Uh, they, they were driving fast enough that they didn't stop immediately, but they backed the car up, and when they did, it was gone. Um, and uh, they hadn't seen anything since then, um, but they certainly always kept their eyes out for it. But anyways, I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. This is strange. This is the second time this week I've heard reference to a Bigfoot or Sasquatch sitting in the middle of the road with his face in his hands. I cannot for the life of me recall which podcast I was listening to when I heard the other encounter, but I remember one of the hosts theorizing that it may be absorbing the road's residual heat, not unlike snakes do. At any rate, the theory made just as much sense as any, and could very easily explain the encounter that Chris just detailed. Thank you again, Chris. You know I love the Sasquatch submissions. And finally, our last call of the evening. I've been waiting for a very long time for another call like this to cross my path. The following is Matt's experience. Hey, uh, my name is Matt. I'm from Northern Virginia, uh, but my story takes place in Amelia, Virginia. It's a little bit southwest of uh, Richmond. Uh, It was back in either beginning of 2010 or end of 09. I was living with a friend of mine at the time. Uh, We were playing Yu-Gi-Oh in his room because it was, you know, late at night and we were, you know, dumb teenagers. Uh, It had snowed like crazy the day before and we're, you know, just like nothing to do outside. It's too bloody cold. Uh, So we're playing. I get up to stretch my legs. I open the blinds a bit because almost a full moon out there and with the full moon, almost full moon, and with the snow, it made it so it was really easy to see everything that was going around. And near the end of his driveway, uh, just walking there were three, I don't want to call them people, but just like three things moving really, really slowly. Like I just see that, I'm like, hey, check this out real quick. And he gets up, takes a look at it with me, and we're just watching them move. They're moving so freaking weird, slowly. Uh, so we're watching them for a little bit, and then, like, I don't know. We feel like we, I feel like I zoned out while watching them. Uh, when I look away, I just look at my buddy. I'm like, "Hey, you want to keep playing?" And he was like, "Yeah, but what about them?" And then we look back out there, and there's nothing there. And then he checks his phone, and it was like four in the morning at that time. But when we looked, it was like close to like 11 something. Um, only thing I can think of is, well, after listening to a lot of your podcasts and you talking about the mirrored men, that's all I can think of is what they were. Um, 
yeah I hope you like my story uh, I haven't seen anything like them since I didn't seen anything like them before I uh, didn't even know what they were until I heard that podcast uh, thanks I love the show I've been listening since almost the beginning thanks I hope you're able to use my story thank you Matt my one complaint about your call is that I need more detail what did they look like how did they move how far away were they I would have loved to have heard more details about this account for those that are new to the show and haven't listened to the past episodes mirrored men is a handle I assigned to a phenomenon reported by several of my listeners over the past year each case details three figures typically dressed in black or brown robes that move in an identical fashion almost every case is also associated with some sort of missing time it's a funny thing about these mirrored men stories I cannot find them anywhere else it seems that my show has a corner on that market now many people would point to that and say that the stories are obviously fake in the case of all but one story I can only say that I do not believe they are and I certainly am not aware of any fakery the other story well the very first mirrored men story was actually submitted by a very close friend of mine so I know he's being truthful it's a story he told me several times over the near 20 years of knowing him and when I started this show I knew he had to submit his story not in my wildest dreams did I expect others to come forward with similar accounts so the point here is that although this seems to be the only source of information for the strange phenomenon each call to the best of my knowledge is real and genuine all that said if you've experienced something similar please reach out to me apparently you're not alone and that's gonna do it for this episode but before I go a few pieces of info to digest as you heard in the beginning of the episode we are getting very close to the cryptic crate launch for those that aren't familiar, CryptoCrate is the first and only monthly subscription box that is completely cryptozoology themed. For years now, I've been searching for a box just like this with no luck, so I decided to create my own. After all, who wouldn't want a cryptic gift in the mail each and every month? So if this interests you at all, please head over to CryptoCrate.com and submit your email for updates and discounts on your first box. The official launch is only weeks away, so sign up today and lock in that discount. CryptidCrate.com Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm always posting new videos, images, and nifty links to hold you over until the next episode. This one is huge. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. This info goes a long way to help the show grow, not only through recommendation, but also helps keep the show visible in iTunes, Stitcher, and the like. And finally, if you have a story to submit, please call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or, as always, you can visit the website for more submission options. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. <laughs>